Today's reading is Romans 11, 1 through 2a and 29 through 32. It can be found on page 1046 of the Bible's next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Let's see. Let me get this situated here. I don't know where to go. All right. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the time that we have this morning to come together and learn from what you have to say. Uh, be with us. Open our ears that we can hear you speaking to us. Soften our hearts that we may be uh, impressed upon by your spirit and give us, uh, give us a willing heart to go forth from here as those who have been shown mercy and who can live lives of gratitude. In your name we pray, amen. So my name is Josiah Gorder. Um, Pastor Mark is not here today. He and Lisa are out celebrating his birthday down in Santa Monica which is really awesome. It was like a surprise for him, so he didn't even know it was coming until last week. So that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, and I'm really glad to be a part of a church that uh, gives our pastor time off, that gives him space to uh, celebrate his birthday and have some time with his wife. Uh, because I know a lot of pastors go through burnout uh, and experience a lot of, I mean, it's a, it's a hard job. So I'm just glad that as a church, we, uh, yeah, we give him the freedom to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I also want to thank you guys for bearing with me as I practice my own preaching. Uh, this is something that I enjoy doing and that I hope to get better at. And uh, I thank you guys for kind of going through my rough drafts uh, as, I, as I keep on uh, working on developing this skill. Uh, so I don't know about you guys, but I'm really into personality tests. I think they're really cool. Uh, there's like the Myers-Briggs test, if you know that, divides uh, up to 16 different personality types. I'm an ENFP. I don't know if, if you guys <laughs> follow that kind of thing. There's like the Enneagram test, which is kind of like an a ancient Christian personality test, which uh, kind of helps you find out kind of a little bit more about yourself. I'm a seven, if, if you guys do that kind of thing. Uh, but I think the simplest and the easiest personality test uh, is the type A, type B personality tests. There's only two categories. There's not one of a hundred different personalities you could be. So you're either type A or you're type B. Type A personalities, you guys might already know this and might know which one you are. Uh, these people tend to be more ambitious. Uh, they can be characterized as impatient. They tend to be very, very organized. They like to keep a tight schedule. 
Uh, they can be very status conscious. They want to be the best. They always want to be at the top. Uh, but this can also lead them to experience a lot of anxiety. They can be anxious people. These are the uh, Hillary Clintons of the world, the Elon Musks, the Hermione Grangers, the workaholics, the ones who are always striving to be the best and to get ahead. Whereas on the other hand, there's type B personality, who could care less about status or being the best, but care more about having a good time, making sure that they're happy, that everybody they're with is happy, that things are pretty chill. Uh, they're often a little bit more reflective, and they can tend to think outside the box. Um, these are the Walt Disneys of the world, Ellen DeGeneres, Robin Williams. Comedians tend to be a lot more type B personality. Now, I want you to imagine that you're going to sit down and play a board game with these two types of people that strictly embody these personalities. The type A personality is going to go straight for the rule book and start reading it, learning the rules, and strategizing how they can use those rules to their advantage and get ahead and win. Their objective is to win by any means necessary. These are the people where if you're playing Settlers of Catan with them, they're going to build their road just to cut you off so that you can't get where you're going to go. I've seen friendships end over these kinds of moves. So. On the other hand, the type B personality will be the one to make sure that everybody has enough snacks for the game. That everybody's comfortable, you got good music going on, that things are pretty chill. If you're at their house, they might have their own rules that they make up because they think it makes the game more fun. These are the people that just want to have fun and make sure everybody's having a good time. Now, most of us fall somewhere along this spectrum. Maybe hard line A or hard line type B personality. Maybe somewhere in the middle. But maybe you could find uh, some of those characteristics in you. For type A people, sometimes we live our lives by the rules, trying to use them to get ahead. And sometimes this can make us feel superior because we've played by the rules and we've made sure that we've got the best grades, so we're better than everybody else. We've got more money, so we're better than those other folks. We've got the most well-adjusted children, so we're the best parents. Or perhaps you're type B, where we live our lives in order to have a good time. That life is all about being chill and doing whatever you want, as long as everybody's happy. I feel like this is kind of the California vibe. I'm from the Midwest, so coming out here, I, I feel like I've met a lot of type B personalities. Like, eat what you want. Smoke whatever you want. You can sleep with whoever you want. It's chill, man. It's cool, bro. You do you. <laughs> So when Paul is writing to the Romans, I think he's writing to a church uh, that has two different communities that I think embody these two personality types. He's writing to the Jews, the Israelites, who have kind of a type A personality. These are people who have known the law, are used to following the rules, and are used to using that and tend to feel a little bit superior because of it. And the Gentiles. This was a hodgepodge of anybody in the Roman world, because he's writing to the church in Rome. And a Gentile is basically anybody who isn't Jewish. So these were uh, Roman citizens. These are slaves. These are foreigners. These are people who have come to the church in Rome from all sorts of walks of life. Now, uh, as Paul writes to these two different groups of people, I want you to imagine what that kind of church would be like, having those two kinds of communities be in one church together. What kind of issues would come up? What kind of uh, problems would they be dealing with, with such different mindsets? And so I want us to have a little bit of fun. I want this group over here to imagine that you're the Israelites. You are the Jewish people in this church of Rome. 
that have come to know about the gospel and have heard the story about Jesus. And you guys are going to be the Gentiles in the Church of Rome. You guys come from all sorts of different backgrounds. You guys are used to doing whatever you want, worshiping whoever you want, and just kind of being chill. You guys are out to have a good time. So as you Israelites come to church, sometimes you walk in with your heads a little bit higher because you know the story of God. You've read the Old Testament. You know that you guys are God's chosen people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these are your grandparents. Moses, the one who God gave the law to, he's one of your ancestors. And you guys have been studying the law since you were in preschool. Those are the first words that your parents read to you, came from the Old Testament, came from the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and work really hard to do that. Now, now you hear the story about the Messiah, you hear the gospel, you've read the Old Testament prophecies that somebody would come to save Israel. Now you hear that he's come and you're excited because you've lived your life really trying hard to follow the rules. And now that he's come, he'll reward you for all of your hard work and all of your obedience because you've been a rule follower your entire life. Except for, I mean, that one time when you coveted your neighbor's ox and there was that one time when maybe you took the Lord's name in vain. And then there was that other time that, well, we, we won't talk about that. But at least you didn't break the rules as much as these Gentiles over here. I mean, these guys, they eat bacon like it's nothing. These guys, like, they're, they're not even circumcised. Like, these guys, they don't follow the rules. They're not going to get the same reward that you guys deserve because you guys have worked hard since you were children to earn God's love. Maybe someday... If they work hard and they follow the rules, they'll be as good as you, and then they can get God's love. But until then, you're going to keep helping them by pointing out their mistakes and helping them find out how to follow the rules as good as you guys do. Whereas over here on this side, you've heard the gospel, you've heard the apostles teach to you, and you've heard that it was the Jews, it was the Israelites who rejected Jesus. It was them who crucified Jesus. God had done a lot of things in their life, but now you've heard the story of the good news, that Jesus has come for you, that he's come to give his love and his grace freely for you. God's, you guys feel sort of like God is giving up on Israel and is choosing you guys to take up the mantle. The Israelites, they had their chance, but from what I've heard, they've rejected Jesus. They turned him away, and now it's your turn to shine, to be the one in God's uh, promised covenant to be in that relationship. It's probably because they blew their chance and now it's up to you guys to carry on this good news of God. And Paul writes this letter to the Romans to both groups as a way of saying no. You guys both missed the point. Both of you guys are missing what the gospel is talking about. And uh, Paul writes in his letter first to the Gentiles uh, and also I don't know if you guys like, were really confused by the way all of that was worded. I know I was the first time I read through it. I was like, what is he talking about? It like starts up in verse 1 and 2 and then skips down to like verse 25. And I was super confused the first time I read it. But uh, bear with me. I think we can try to make some sense of it. So Paul writes to the Gentiles and he says to them, Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too might now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. So that's, that is confusing. So we're going to try to go through it slowly and see what that looks like. So Paul writes to these 
Gentiles, first, saying that God has not rejected his people. God has not given up his promise. God is not turning them away and making you the new Israel. In fact, God made a promise to them all the way back with Abraham, saying that he would use them as a nation, as a people, to bless all nations, including you guys, wherever you come from, Gentiles from all over the world. God used the Jews, God used the Israelites, to set the stage for Jesus. It was from the line of David all the way down that Jesus came into this world. All of their old prophecies were pointing to him. And God used them to show mercy to you. So be patient with them. Because these are a group of people that are trying to unlearn these habits. If God's grace is given freely, if his mercy is given without cost, it's going to be hard for the Israelites, for the rule followers, to accept something for free when they've been told that all their life they need to work for it. So bear with them as they learn how to receive mercy. And Paul writes to the Israelites, saying that there are no second-class citizens in God's kingdom. Just because these people haven't been following the rules as long as you have doesn't make you better than them. Paul wrote in another letter saying that in Christ there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, there's no longer slave nor free, there's no longer male nor female, but all are one under Christ. And he's telling you guys to let go of this burden of the law because you know the history of Israel. You know that it's a history of failure to keep the law. You guys have been a nation that have fought with God from the very beginning. You guys have turned away from him time and time again and have not been able to uphold the high standards of the law. So why are you still trying to keep up with that? Why are you trying to put that heavy burden on the Gentiles when your ancestors themselves couldn't even bear it? Paul's asking you guys to look at the Gentiles and see how they have received God's mercy freely and to do the same. Stop trying to earn something that's being given for free. Look how grateful they are to be invited into God's family without having to earn it. You guys can do the same. And then Paul ends uh, this segment by addressing both groups, saying that God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he, ha he may have mercy on us all. This has been God's plan from the beginning. God's been working out a way to save all people, all nations, not just one nation of Israel, but to use the nation of Israel to set the stage so that all people might be brought into God's family. All of the Israelites' prophecies point to Jesus, and this is how God brings us all together. Because although all were disobedient, all turned away from the law, none of us could fulfill every rule and commandment that was written in here. Jesus did. God sent his son to live that perfect life that no Jew or Gentile could ever live. And he did so perfectly. And he ended up being crucified for it. Because that was the punishment that we all deserved, Israelites and Gentiles, for our disobedience. So God has essentially come and done everything for us. He lived by the rules that we couldn't follow, and he took on the punishment that we deserved for our own disobedience. And it doesn't even end there. He took on that punishment, but he also rose from the dead so that all might receive mercy, so that all might receive hope, and all might be welcome to live this, this life with Christ. 
to live this life with God that Jesus has opened up. If all are disobedient, then all receive mercy. I think what Paul is saying is that mercy is free, which means that you cannot earn God's love through good deeds. But what that also means is that you cannot lose God's love through disobedience. If you cannot earn God's love by working hard, that means that if you fail and if you mess up, you cannot lose God's love. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not contingent upon that. It's all based on his own freely given gift. And so now we can be city life church again. Uh, But we're still going to be talking a little bit about rural followers over here and uh, type B people over here. So if you want to get up and switch sides, you can. (laughs) You don't have to. But I think what this message is saying to us, to the rural followers, to the scorekeepers in the world, is that we can let go of our high standards and our need to be perfect. We can stop trying to use the rules and control the situation to get ourselves ahead, and we can start accepting the freely given grace of God instead of trying to create these religious expectations, these things that we use to try to puff ourselves up and feel superior, we can accept our status as disobedient. We can humble ourselves and recognize our own need for God's grace. We can say that we're not good enough and things are still gonna be okay. The world's not gonna fall apart because we are not perfect. In fact, that's the only way to receive God's grace, which means you can stop doubting God's love for you. If you think about your mistakes, if you think about the things you've done wrong, and you think that you're not worthy of God's love because you haven't kept these rules, what Paul is saying is that you can stop worrying about that. It doesn't matter that you've made those mistakes because Christ has already taken on the punishment for them. It's done. God's not mad. That wrath is is sufficed. It's, It's over. It's been poured out on the cross, and it's done. And so you can stop worrying that God's going to punish you because the punishment is ended. And now the reward is what's set before you. Christ's reward that he earned and is giving to you freely. When we look at the law and we try to base our lives upon it, I think uh, the law is a lot like a mirror. That's how it's sometimes written about in in the Bible. Uh, You can stand in front of a mirror and it will show you if you're clean or you're dirty. And you can stand there and say, wow, like, look how clean my face is. This is great. But you can ignore the dirt on your hands and your legs and the rest of your body. And you can either stand there and be like, oh, man, you know, I should maybe clean up this arm or maybe I'll clean this leg. You can stand there and look at that mirror and look at yourself, or you can accept God's invitation to be made clean. You, a mirror can show you where you're dirty, but it cannot clean you up. The law can show you where you're righteous and where you're disobedient, but it cannot make you righteous. So we can accept God's call to be made clean, to be washed clean in baptism. We can have that dirt and that guilt washed away. Instead of just staring at the law, which tells us how dirty we are, we can be made clean. And to the outsiders and to the, the people just trying to have a good time, the people who are trying to live their lives just to be happy, this is an invitation to find rest in God's mercy. St. Augustine said that our hearts are restless until they rest in you, God. You can live your life trying to find happiness in one pleasure after another, after another, after another. 
just trying to, to find some sort of meaning, trying to find some sort of happiness. But this is an invitation to step off of that treadmill, off of that never-ending quest to find joy and accept the joy that is given freely in God's mercy. You are invited to have a seat at the table. For those of you who have felt like you've never belonged, who felt like the church was for the religious people, the rule followers, that you had to be good enough to come to Christ, you're invited to come and enjoy a meal with God's family, like what we're going to do later with the Lord's Supper. You're invited to eat and drink as one community, as an insider, no longer as an outsider. And to those who have been hurt, this is to all of us, maybe you've been hurt by somebody who held you to too high of a standard and you felt like you weren't good enough. Or maybe you've been hurt because somebody else was just trying to have a good time, but they had it at your expense. You are invited to come and find healing and grace in God's mercy. Those things do not define you. What somebody else has done to you doesn't define you. The fact that somebody tried to hold you to a certain standard and you couldn't reach it doesn't define you. Christ invites you to find your identity in him and the fact that though you are a sinner, though you've been hurt, though you are dirty and though you are covered in scars, that is not who you are. That when we come to God to be made clean and to be healed, he makes us into who we are really meant to be. We are made in his image. And when we come to him to be made clean, he wipes away that dirt and heals the scars so that his image can shine forth even brighter. Brothers and sisters, we are all one church. We are not just a group of rule followers. We are not just a group of people out to have a good time. We are one because we have all been shown the same mercy. He has brought us together as a community and he's invited us to lay down the burdens of the law and the burdens of pleasure seeking and to freely receive this gift of grace with open arms. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us far more than what we deserve. We have strayed from what your plans have been, and yet you have not given up on us. You have promised to rescue us. You have promised to show us mercy, and you have taken on the punishments that we deserve. Thank you, Lord, for this grace. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to live a real life of joy, of meaning, and of community with you. Be with us now as we seek you. Help us to let go of the things that we're holding on to, the things that make us feel better than others, and the things that bring us fleeting joy, but lead us further and further from the truth and your deep well of joy, which never runs dry. Help us to find you. Help us to seek you. And be with us on this journey. Amen.